and they hailed him as King of Kings, as the Messiah, the long-awaited one. Let's sing this song called Hosanna, Praise is Rising. Let's stand together. Praise is rising, eyes are turning to you, we turn to you, oh be stirring, hearts are yearning for you, we long When we see you, we find strength to face the day. In your presence, all our fears are washed away. Washed away. Come on, sing it. Here we go.
your seethers you find strength to face the day in your presence in your presence all our fears are washed away and we'll sing it again because when we see you we find strength to face the day in your presence all our fears are washed away washed away Well, good morning and welcome to First Baptist Church. We're glad to have you here to worship with us this morning on this Palm Sunday. Uh, you'll notice there's a little white guest registration card there in the pew rack in front of us. And if you're a guest with us, if this is your first time, we're glad you're here. And we want you to feel welcome and comfortable. And, and that's just a way for us to be able to connect with you. At the conclusion of the service, you can either drop it in one of those boxes on the back wall or as you're exiting, if you want to head out to the welcome desk down to your left, you'll see a pastor there and you can, you can give it to them. Uh, We've been praying and giving uh, toward our uh, Annie Armstrong Easter offering uh, since the beginning of March. So we've got just this Sunday and next Sunday left. We're at about 90% of our goal right now. And today we just want to highlight our Tennessee Baptist Children's Home through uh, part of that offering that we give. Uh, 7% of that offering in total through our Tennessee Baptist Mission Board goes to support the children's homes in our state. We've got approximately 100 young kids in three different residential homes. Uh, and then we've got about 180 kids in foster care across the state. And so a part of this money goes to support our, our children's homes and those, those children in foster care um, guided by the Tennessee Baptist Mission Board across the state. One neat thing about it, our, our Tennessee Baptist Mission Board doesn't accept any funding from the government. 
And that way they're not, they're not told how to raise these kids. We're not mandated anything. We can raise them up in God's word and be teaching them biblical truth along the way. And so that's why it's important to find families to be able to place these kids. So as you're giving, remember, part of the money goes toward uh, those children's homes. And we're 90% of our goal. And so we can give to that uh, later on in the service. I'm going to pray for them, pray for those young kids, and just pray for our Easter services next week as we begin here this morning. Oh, Lord, uh, we just look forward to the, the victorious walk into Jerusalem that you made, knowing that it leads ultimately to the cross, but to the grave and to your resurrection. And so we just are gathered here looking forward not only to today, but to next Sunday as well, and we just... Uh, with joy, look forward to, to Easter as we can celebrate and celebrate that we have new life and that we have salvation because of you. Father, as we're just mindful here as we're worshiping and as we're giving, we know today part of what we're giving toward is to help save kids' lives and, and even just their physical needs and their mental needs and, and ultimately their spiritual needs by placing them under proper care. And so we thank you for the opportunity to be able to give toward uh, this Easter offering for North American missions, but ultimately even part of it stays right here to help kids in our own state, and we pray for them as well. Uh, so we just pray uh, for our, our giving to be generous and for um, these, these kids' lives to be changed. Father, as we worship here this morning, uh, we just pray that you just calm our hearts and, and remove any distractions or fears so that we can just focus on you and on your goodness in our lives. It's in your son's name that we pray. Amen. It wasn't long after that triumphal entry uh, of Jesus into Jerusalem that, uh, that the crowd turned uh, against him, and he went to the cross and died for us. You know, he could have called, as, you, as the song says, he could have called 10,000 angels uh, to, re to rescue him, but he went by choice to the cross and, and shed his blood for you and me. And so as we turn to our Lord's Supper, we're going to remember the great gift that he gave of his blood for us and thank Jesus for the blood he shed on the cross for us. Stay with us and worship today. was a wretch. I remember who I was. I was lost. I was blind. I was running out of time. Sin separated. The breach was far too wide. But from the far side of the chasm, you held me in your sight. So you made a way across the great divide, left behind heaven's throne to build it here inside. And there at the cross, you paid the debt I owe, broke chains, freed my soul for the at home.
here in the power of Christ I'll stand till he returns or calls me home here in the power of Christ I'll stand. come on church till he returns or calls me Thank you, Lord. Thank you for this wonderful group of folks that just come this morning to worship you and lift your name high. Lord, we praised you along with those who've praised you entering Jerusalem. And we've thanked you now for the great gift of blood that you gave for us, Lord. And we realize now that it's on you and you alone. You are our very rock that we stand on. And on Christ alone, we will stand. Lord, I pray you'll be with Dr. Cox now as he comes and brings your message. Pierce our hearts with the truth of you. And help us to become the people that you want us to be. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Please be seated. Good morning. Thank you, musicians, uh, for sharing with us today. In a few moments, we'll celebrate the Lord's Supper. We'll eat a little piece of bread that uh, represents his body. We'll drink a little cup of grape juice that represents his blood. And so as we prepare for that, it's an appropriate time for us to sort of think about what the death of Christ means for us. Because the more we understand of the depth of its meaning, the more we will worship him, the more we'll live in gratitude for him. So what does the death of Christ accomplish? Every Christian probably would give some explanation to say, well, it, it saves us from our sins. How does it do that? The, the Bible gives several answers to that question because there are several dimensions to the depth of meaning of what the death of Christ did and how it saves us. For one answer to that question, what does the death of Christ accomplish, is, well, it pays the penalty for our sin. Sort of an economic or a legal answer that we call justification. And we had a sin debt and Jesus died for our sins and paid that debt for us. That's justification. Another way of explaining what the death of Christ accomplishes is in relation to evil and the devil and death, and that's redemption. We're set free from sin and death and the power of the devil, redemption. But still another way that explains what the death of Christ did and how it saved us is what I want to talk to you about today, and it's one that I think that we ignore sometimes, and that is what's called propitiation. And that is that the death of Christ turns away the wrath of God. I think we don't talk about that as much. You don't hear about it as much in churches today uh, for two reasons. First of all, propitiation is a big word. And, uh, you know, don't know what it means. 
And because of that, many of the modern translations don't use that word anymore. They explain it, as we'll see in a few moments, with a different word, and we, but we lose a little bit of that meaning. The second reason that we don't hear much about turning away the wrath of God and propitiation as a meaning for the death of Christ is that the wrath of God is not a very popular subject today. We just don't like to think about that. We don't hear about it too much. We think of the wrath of God. That sounds, God is angry? We, we thought God was love. And it sounds sort of negative to talk about God being angry about something. We usually think of our anger in negative terms, don't we? Oh, I'm sorry, I shouldn't have got angry. We, about, we fly off the handle, we get angry, and our anger is often sinful. And so it just doesn't make sense for us to, to think about the God being angry. But let me explain the wrath of God to you this way. When you see the stuff that's happening in the Ukraine and civilians that get killed and mass graves of innocent people, doesn't that make you just a little bit angry? Don't you feel, wow, that's, that's terrible. That's just a tiny echo of the wrath of an infinitely righteous God. You are made in the image of God and you've got a little sense of righteousness in you. And when you feel angry against sin, that's righteous anger. Or when you read a, or see a, a child that's been abused or someone that's been sold into human trafficking or the horror of abortion, does that sometimes just make you a little bit mad? Does it anger you a little bit that the innocent would be harmed like that? that? Would you be more or less righteous if it didn't bother you? Would you be more or less righteous if you saw the things in the Ukraine, human trafficking, abortion, and said, eh, it didn't really affect me. Eh, you know, we just, we just love. I think you'd be less righteous. I think you're more righteous, you're more like God when there is some anger. Now, we don't go Western and bomb abortion clinics or something. Vengeance is mine, says the Lord. We're not to, to take vengeance. That's his. But feeling some of that anger is a little reflection of an infinite God in his wrath against sin. So, Let's look at what the Bible says about the wrath of sin. The place in the Bible where it talks most about the wrath of God is Romans 1 through 3. And we learn there that there are two dimensions to the wrath of God, two ways that it's being expressed, uh, two time frames. Number one, in the present. The present dimension of the wrath of God is in Romans 1.18. Let me read it to you. The wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all the godlessness and wickedness of people who suppress the truth by their wickedness. Do you see that present tense? The wrath of God is being revealed. That's saying that right now we are experiencing some of the wrath of God in our society, in our lives, in humankind. The reason for that, in verse 21, for although they knew God, they neither glorified him as God nor gave thanks to him, but their thinking became futile, their foolish hearts were darkened. And so how that is being expressed now is God is letting us experience some of the consequences of our bad choices. And we're seeing that in our society. Why is our world in such a mess right now? Why do we have some of the things going on that we do? Some of it is that God removes his protection, removes his restraints, and lets us experience the natural consequences of our sin. That's the present expression of his wrath. In the next verse, in verse 24, I'll read just a few verses. Therefore God gave them over in the sinful desires of their hearts to sexual impurity for the degrading of their bodies with one another. 
Verse 26, because of this, God gave them over. You hear that phrase, God gave them over, repeated. God gave them over to shameful lust. Even their women exchanged natural sexual relations for unnatural ones. And verse 28, furthermore, just as they did not think it worthwhile to retain the knowledge of God, so God gave them over to a depraved mind so that they do what ought not to be done. So, the present expression of the wrath of God is that God allows us, he just sort of backs off and gives us over. When we choose to rebel against him, he lets us experience some of the consequences of our sin. He does that out of love. His wrath is out of his love because he wants you to repent and turn to him and not be in that pain anymore. But that's the present expression of the wrath of God. And so some of the things that we see in our culture today that are just so out of whack, and you got these guys competing against women in these swimming races, and you got all of this gender confusion. Why is that happening? Some of it is God has said, okay, you won't follow me? I want you to. You won't follow me? Then I'm going to give you over and allow you to experience the cascading consequences of your action in your culture because I love you. That's the present expression of the wrath of God. That's some of what we're seeing in our culture today. There's a second dimension of the wrath of God in Romans 1 through 3, and that is the future dimension. The present dimension was sort of passive. God's just letting us experience the natural consequences of our sin. The future dimension is more active. In Romans 2 verse 5, it says, But because of your stubbornness and your unrepentant heart, you are storing up wrath against yourself for the day of God's wrath when his righteous judgment will be revealed. So there's a future, there's a present expression of his wrath, but there's a greater future expression of his wrath. There's a day of judgment and we are not only experiencing some of the present results of our actions, but we are storing up for ourselves wrath. This is the same word, storing up wrath, that is in Matthew 6, 19, where Jesus said, lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven. You know that verse? Lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where, where thief cannot steal. Well, same word, store up or lay up. So you're, you've got a lay, an eternal layaway plan. Did you know that? You're laying up either wrath or you're laying up treasure in heaven. And so we are, you don't experience the full ex expression of God's wrath in the present. Some people seem to get by without very many consequences. But we are storing up or laying up wrath for a day of judgment. That's sort of the bad news. Now here comes the good news that relates to the Lord's Supper and the death of Jesus Christ. Look at Romans 3, 25. After Paul has made the case for the present and future expression of the wrath of God in chapters 1 and 2, he tells us the good news. Romans 3.25, God presented Christ, and the ESV says, as a propitiation for his blood to be received by faith. Most of the newer translations change that word propitiation just because it's such a big word. People don't know what it means, trying to get it on a lower reading level, and so the Christian Standard Bible and the NIV say that he presented him as a sacrifice of atonement through the shedding of his blood. And that's certainly true. It's just a more general phrase. But the problem is it loses any connection with the wrath of God in these first two chapters. And propitiation means to pacify, to turn away, or to satisfy the wrath of God and to make him propitious toward us. That means favorable. 
Propitious means favorable toward. And so the death of Jesus satisfied the wrath of God and turned it away and made him propitious or favorable toward us. And that's what propitiation means. Let me show you a a human example, illustration in Scripture that will maybe help you understand this big concept a little bit. In the book of Genesis, there's the story of Jacob and Esau. When they were young, Jacob tricked his brother and stole the birthright from Esau. Esau wanted to kill him for it when he found out about it, and so Jacob had to run away from home. Years later, Jacob wanted to reconcile with his brother and set up a meeting. But he was afraid that Esau still harbored that hatred and resentment and would kill him. And so Jacob divided his family into two camps so that he couldn't kill them all. And Jacob began, as they were approaching the meeting, to send gifts ahead to Esau to try to pacify him or turn away his wrath. And it says that he sent one servant with 220 goats. And then he sent a second servant with 220 sheep. And he sent a third servant with 30 camels, and a fourth with 50 cattle, and a fifth with 30 donkeys. He's sending these gifts ahead. And it says, here's the verse that sums it up in Genesis 32, verse 20. In the middle of the verse, he said, For he thought, I will pacify him. The word pacify in the Greek translation of the Old Testament is the same word we've just been looking at in Romans 3.25, propitiation. He said, I'm hoping that I may propitiate him. Make him favorable toward me, turn away his wrath, satisfy his wrath, or pacify his wrath with these gifts that I am sending ahead. You get the idea of what propitiation is? Now, with God, we can never send enough goats to pacify his wrath, can we? We could never do enough to turn away his wrath. But God has given his own son as the perfect sin offering, the once and for all, the infinite death for us. And his death has turned away the wrath of God so that he is favorable toward us. He is propitious toward us. And isn't it great to know that because of the death of Jesus, that God is favorable toward you. That his wrath is turned away from you. That his wrath is satisfied. Now, if you've heard what I said so far, you might get the idea, the mistaken idea, Jesus is good, God's bad. Sort of like good God, bad God. Here's big old mean God the Father. He wants to pour out his wrath on you, and here comes Jesus, the good God, and he dies for you and turns away the wrath of the big mean God, right? That's not true. Let me show it to you. Another place that the Bible talks about propitiation is in 1 John. A couple of places there. I'll read one of them to you. 1 John chapter 4, verse 10. 1 John 4, 10 says, This is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be a propitiation for our sins. So in the same verse that is explaining the love of God for us, it talks about the propitiation, the turning away his wrath. It is God the Father who loved us so much that he gave his own son 
to turn away his wrath. Are you saying that the death of Jesus is both the turning away of the wrath of God the Father and the revelation of the love of God the Father? Yes, that is what I'm saying. Wonder of wonders, this event is simultaneously the greatest expression of love for you. You are loved and at the same time it is the propitiation that turns away the justified wrath of God against you. Isn't that amazing? We sang the song a few moments ago, In Christ Alone. In Christ Alone was written by Stuart Townsend and, uh, and Keith Getty. And it's becoming one of the most loved contemporary hymns. It is at home both in very traditional churches and in contemporary settings. Dr. Timothy George says he believes it is becoming the amazing grace of our generation. That for generations ahead, along with amazing grace, loved and sung and known by people in Christ alone is taking its place as the great hymn of our generation along with it. There is a line in that hymn that we sang, I put it on the screen for you, that says, Till on that cross, as Jesus died, the wrath of God was satisfied. Keith Getty was teaching us in theology in our songs, propitiation. On the cross, when Jesus died, the wrath of God was satisfied. Presbyterian Church of the USA wanted to put this hymn in their hymnal, but they wanted to change that line to, till on the cross, as Jesus died, the love of God was magnified. Stuart Townsend and Keith Getty denied their request. They said, yes, certainly, it is on that cross that the love of God is magnified, but it is also true that on that cross the wrath of God was satisfied and we're not going to change that line. And so the Presbyterians would not put this hymn in their hymnal because we are losing in our culture a sense of the wrath of God. We're losing a sense of the fear of the Lord and that's why we're in such a mess today. There is a present dimension of the wrath of God being revealed now, and there is a future dimension of the wrath of God that is being stored up for us. And our only hope is a God who loved us enough to give his son that on the cross, as Jesus died, the wrath of God was satisfied. That's one reason that we worship him today. That's one reason that we give our lives to him and renew our covenant with him today as we share in the Lord's Supper. Wonder of wonders what God has done for us. I'm going to invite our deacons in a moment as I begin to pray to come and join here at the, the front who will serve the Lord's Supper. We're going to serve the Lord's Supper. We pass out first the bread. Our tradition is we'll pass it to you. If you are a baptized believer in Jesus Christ, we invite you to the Lord's table. If you're a guest with us here today, you're not sure, do we, do we let you take in this? Yes. If you're a baptized believer in Jesus, uh, then uh, you've been a part of that covenant relationship with him, we invite you to the Lord's table. And our tradition is you get it and just hold it, and then after everybody's been served, we'll all eat it together. The same thing, then we'll pass out the cup and do the same thing as well. Would you bow with me, and let's pray over this time together. Oh, God, thank you for sending and giving your son for us. And the dimensions of what he's done are beyond our comprehension, but one of them is that he's turned away the justified wrath against us so that there is favor toward us. I pray that each person who is in Christ 
will experience a release from guilt and that favor that is upon them because of this. Lord, we come then to express our love and we come to confess our sins because even though we are saved from all sins, past, present, and future, you tell us that in maintaining that fellowship, we need to examine our hearts and confess any ongoing, outstanding, continuing sin, and we want to do that now. We search ourselves. We want to be right with you, close to you. We ask your forgiveness. We turn from our sin. We renew our commitment to you, Lord, no matter the cost, no matter the opposition, no matter the change of circumstances in our lives, we recommit ourselves that you are Lord and we will follow you. We love you, Lord Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen.
nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Oh, precious is the flow that makes me white as snow no other fount i know nothing but the blood of jesus and jesus said this is my body broken for you do this in remembrance of me
Nothing can for sin atone, nothing but the blood of Jesus. And it's not of the good I've done, nothing but the blood of Jesus. Oh, precious is the flow that makes me white as snow. No other fount I know, nothing but the blood of Jesus. And Jesus said, this is my blood of the new covenant poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this in remembrance of me. Let me share one more verse with you about the wrath of God. It's John chapter 3, verse 36. John 3, 36 says, Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life, but whoever rejects the Son will not see life, for God's wrath remains on them. Maybe you've not yet received Jesus, believed in Him as your Savior. And the Bible says God's wrath remains on you, but it doesn't have to stay that way. Today, you could put your trust in Jesus. You could believe on Him, because whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. Would you right now say, Jesus, I don't want to be under your wrath, your present wrath messing up my life, your future wrath stored up for me. You died for me. I believe that. I confess you as Lord of my life. Would you stand together with us? If you, today that's your desire to become a follower of Jesus, I'm going to invite you while we're singing to walk down here and to the front and meet me as an indication of that. And we can plan for your baptism. Somebody will answer questions if you have them. Or we'll just rejoice with you and, uh, in your new life in Christ. In the same way, if you need to join our church while we're singing this song, is an opportunity to come. It's an opportunity to come and pray about anything in your life. If you want somebody to pray with you, I'll Come to me and I'll pair you up with somebody or you can come and pray on your own. It's a time to respond to what God's Spirit has done in our hearts, what we've heard in His Word as we sing together.
You can be seated for just a moment as we close. Jake's coming to do our closing. Let me share just a word as he comes. Tonight at 6 o'clock, we have a member meeting. We're asking all of our church members to be here. Uh, we'll celebrate some things. Our search team will share a brief report. But the primary thing that we'll do is that we will have uh, our discussion meeting for the change of our bylaws. We have to have a quorum of 121 church members. I'm looking for you to come back at 6. We need you here at 6 o'clock tonight uh, to carry on that important work. Hope you'll be back next week for Easter and invite someone to come. Uh, might consider parking off campus. We're, we're uh, looking for two uh, parking attendants for next week just to show people where a vacant lot is. If you like to be outside, would take one, like to tell people what to do? No. And <laughs> would take one service, 839, 45, or 11. If you just see me, email me, text me, come by and see me. Looking for two volunteers for each of our three services. Appreciate you doing that. Jake's going to share some more things. Close us out. Uh, amen. Thank you for the message this morning. Uh, as we close, uh, we want to let you know that on the weeks that we do the Lord's Supper, we take up a special offering for benevolence. This helps our members and people in the community with financial needs. And so if you will, as you want to give to this offering, if God's blessed you, anything that is loose in the drop box or anything that's indicated on an envelope for benevolence, you can just write that down and that's how we will gather that. As we also have worshiped in the word and through song, we want to continue worshiping through giving. So just let you know those drop boxes are back there, and that's how we take up the offering uh, during this time. Also, next week, as Dr. Costa said, is Easter. And so we have invite cards still available at the Welcome Center. You can pick some of those up to invite people. But also, there'll be a special photo opportunity in the parlor. We have a cross that will have chicken wire around it. And we want to fill it up with flowers just to kind of show this new life that comes through the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. So we need you to bring some flowers to fill that up. We want it to be full, and then it'll be a great way for family and friends to come and have their picture made in the parlor on Easter Sunday. So be sure to bring some flowers. We'll have some, but we need you to bring some as well. So let's take a moment to pray, and then we will be dismissed to connection groups. Father, thank you so much for the word that we have heard, that your blood turns away wrath. And Lord, we pray that as the blood has been applied to us, that it would be applied to all people. And we ask this in Jesus' good name. Amen.